Welcome to ERM Perspectives, the show dedicated to credit union enterprise risk management. If you're interested in hearing perspectives on enterprise risk management directly from the people who do ERM at credit unions, you've got the best seat in the house. I work with credit unions every day so they can have their ideal enterprise risk management program. I'm your host, David Seibert. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of ERM Perspectives the podcast dedicated to credit union enterprise risk management. And I'm your host, David Seibert. And today I'm excited to have Michael Cruz with me. Michael is the Senior Vice President of Risk Management at the Credit Union of Southern California. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. We met a few weeks ago and I heard about your background and we talked a bit. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of your background, Michael, let's start by getting to know you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your current role, your background, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I currently oversee the risk management and internal audit function at CU SoCal Credit Union of Southern California, which I actually just started back in September of last year. So before that, for the past 14 years or so, been a financial regulator slash risk manager on the government side under a few agencies including the Department of Homeland Security, NCUA, credit union regulator, FHFA, which is the regulator of federal home loan banks. I've had the privilege of seeing a wide variety of ERM programs out there in action. I felt like I could meaningfully contribute to building an ERM program somewhere because I've seen some strong ones, some strong ERM programs, some not so strong ones. And... uh, the reasons behind that. So I felt like I could maybe curate some principles that I saw out there and bring them somewhere. So it just so happens that I saw the opportunity at CU SoCal for risk management, threw my name in the hat, so to speak. And thankfully, Dave Gunderson, the CEO over there, believed in me and and here I am. Well, that's great, Michael. I mean, that's what's really cool about your background is all the agencies that you worked for and the ability to see all those ERM programs. And then, like you said, just pull from the best and forget the rest and just (laughs) (laughs) pull from the cream of the crop. So yeah, I'm sure the credit union is real happy to have you. Yeah, there's a lot to, a lot to, I've seen a lot, obviously it's a lot of it's going off memory and feeling, but I'm excited to, I just started last September. So I'm excited to evolve and develop the the ERM program at CUSOCAL. Great. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Why don't you tell us about the program a bit? Like how long has the program been in place? Because I know you've been there for less than a year. So if there's been a program in place, how long has it been there? How's it organized and staffed? And if there's anything unique about the program that you want to share up front. Sure. So the uh, the ERM function at CU SoCal, it's been there longer than me, obviously. It started last September, but it has from what I've seen, it has evolved significantly. It started around the InfoSec area, just information security risk, getting their hands around that. And it grew from there. So today, it's I would say it's an agile function with me and talented analysts performing the work. So it might seem like we're very lean, very small, which I guess from a staffing perspective, we are, but we are supported by some pretty sophisticated third parties helping us with some of the systems and vendor management, risk assessments, <clears throat> risk appetite development, risk appetite metric development, 
So there's this whole infrastructure built around both of us guiding and guiding the whole process. So that's really good. And I would say one of the unique parts about our program, at least maybe for a credit union of our size, $2.3 billion in assets, is that risk management is truly a centralized function. So obviously the frontline leaders, they have their own risk management duties that they have to comply with. But ERM at CEO SoCal really centralizes risk reporting through a committee, right? Their own co-enterprise risk management committee. And it's attended by key leaders throughout CU SoCal. So what does that mean? At Co, we report on interest rate risk, credit risk, InfoSec. It's all reported and talked about there. And that helps to pollinate or cross-pollinate knowledge about risk throughout the credit union. I think that part of it is a lot more mature than a lot of places that I've seen out there. And I'm happy. I've been happy to push that forward. Wow. Yeah, that sounds great. So let me kind of recap some of this. So $2.3 billion credit union. Did I catch that right? Yeah. So thanks for mentioning. Yeah. Yeah, It's good for listeners to to have a perspective there. So two-person staff, you an individual, but you're leveraging a lot of outside help. That's great. So you have a broader support team, but two in-house. And then I was going to ask you about the governance piece, but you mentioned you do have a REMCO, Risk Management Committee. So mm-hmm. you're covering all those different risk topics there. Yeah, that's probably the most important or one of the most important pieces is the REMCO. Just having a, a, a platform to talk about risk for people to challenge each other because there's all kinds of things that REMCO has to vote on in terms of risk-taking activities. So there's challenges there's, hey, why are you doing that? Or give me the rationale between, behind that decision we made about taking that risk. Really gives everybody a chance to see what's going on from a risk perspective throughout the credit union and actually have a voice. And also it gives uh, ERM a, a platform to demonstrate our value. I love it. Yeah. As well said, yeah, I'm a big fan of proper governance and enterprise risk management. And you really hit the key topics there with Remco. Just having a forum to talk about risk and discuss it is so powerful compared to just trying to have people off on their own and rate risks and describe risks and do their analysis by themselves. You got to have a forum to chat about those. So it sounds like you have a really good forum there to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And that cross-pollination you mentioned as well too, right? Because all the different departments get to hear about all the different risks. And so, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of challenging going on there. There's no violence though. So it's, it doesn't get that. It doesn't get that hardcore, but it's very, very much conversations between key leaders on risk, which is, it's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Now we got a picture of how the program's set up. Is there anything in particular that your program's really strong about that you can kind of walk us through and talk about? Yeah, so far I feel like it's one of the strengths is translating risk management into value, mm-hmm. uh, communicating that for for key leaders at SoCal. So, and what I mean by that is answering the question: How do you know? How does your risk management program help the credit union financially or non-financially? So. 
I really, I'm a fan of the concept risk optimization versus risk minimization. I just think it's, it's just like in life, you'll have those opp- opportunities that come up and you, if you want to seize those, you got to stick your neck out. So a little bit, at least. So for um, in my philosophy is I look for risk op- optimization opportunities, yeah. whether that means taking more risk or taking less or just finding opportunities to, to optimize that. And I can give you an example. I was just going to say that would be great because we in the risk management space hear that a lot about, hey, there's the risk mitigation, the risk prevention, that whole risk mitigation side. But we talk about being there to take opportunities, but you don't hear much about that. So I'd yeah. love, I think we would all love to hear a real world example. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's, you're right. It's, it is buzzword city in ERM, right? So there's all kinds of buzzwords in there that, um, after you hear them a while, you just say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> once, once you start implementing some of the principles, a lot of people start to see the valley. So the example that I can think of is for commercial loans, let's say business loans and managing that credit risk is very resource intensive. There's a lot of systems, a lot of people that, that are involved and Sometimes credit unions revert to performing just full reviews on their entire commercial loan portfolio, which it can be very burdensome internally and on the borrower. Some borrowers might find and say, hey, I'm paying you every month. Why do you keep asking me for all these documents? Why do you keep probing me? I'm paying every month. I'm good. Why are you, why are you doing that? And as a program grows, you'll you'll find that staffing and systems just become a huge chunk of expense if you're performing that kind of those kinds of extensive reviews on your entire portfolio, even on the low risk portion. So ERM and some of the key lending leaders at CU SoCal, we found a way to take a risk-based approach to those reviews. And we said, hey, let's take a look at the high risk portion, like normal, we'll perform our normal reviews on that. But for the lower risk areas of our portfolio, let's implement some mitigating controls, some monitoring dashboards, metrics that'll give us some indications that maybe there's some issues with that low risk portion. And then we might have to, we might have to perform full reviews on it. So that had a, once we got through consulting with our financial auditors, to see if they were on board and they were on board. That had an immediate effect on the work our analysts performed and how many analysts we might need in the future. So we initially thought we, we were gonna need to hire another full-time employee to keep up with those reviews, but we found a way to allocate our resources more efficiently related to risk. So that is an example of real money translation of risk management to real money, real cash, risk optimization. So that's, those are the kinds of opportunities uh, that I'm looking for here. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. Thank you so much for walking us through that. It was easy to understand how that would make sense and how you're optimizing risk instead of wasting resources, doing that (laughs) continuous work when it's not adding any value. So 
couple of things I picked up from that is at the end there, you said that's real money. So you're able to now show how ERM is adding value and it just right to the dollar amount or a dollar amount. I think that's very impressive. That's nice. And then the second thing that when that came to my mind when you were describing that as well, Michael, you as a former regulator and the places you worked, you're probably like, I think this would still be appropriate and the regulators would go for this. It sounds like they did because you did run that by your regulators and they seem to yeah, be we, good with it. We talked with our, the financial auditors, the ones that do okay. our financial statements. They ran with it. I used, like you said, I used to be a financial regulator and what we look for are controls, compensating controls. Okay. Maybe you're not reviewing this a certain way, but what are your compensating and mitigating controls for that? And how are you keeping your hand on the pulse there? You can't just say, I'm just only going to review the high risk portions. Right. Now there still has to be some meaningful compensating controls that are visible or reportable, which we will, we report to our credit risk committee and there's discussions about that. There's real thresholds there for those indicators. So kinds of give us an indication of where we need to make moves. So if that lower risk portion of the portfolio starts hitting some of these thresholds, then we have real, we're supposed to have real serious conversations about reviewing that, that low risk portion. That makes sense. So it's not simply removing some work on the low risk portion. You've added some compensating controls that are obviously less intensive than the full-blown manual review. So that makes sense. You've removed something, but you put a compensating control or two in there. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. So I know you've seen a lot of ERM programs and you've been at the current one here for less than a year, but what can you tell us about building and operating ERM programs? Because it's a difficult endeavor and it can go so many ways. What do you think is one of the hardest things to deal with when building or running a program and how have you dealt with that? Oh man, I think two things come to mind. The first one, the hardest thing I've seen across the industry is just communicating the value that ERM brings to the table. And I think that's because, at least this is just my own opinion. I think it's because ERM traditionally has focused on risk minimization. And we focus on what could happen or what, and then we go back and say, if we didn't have this control, this could have happened. Those things that didn't happen, never materialized. So people in key positions like board directors, they don't get to see the real impact. It's just, we didn't go down that path and something was going to happen. I don't know what was going to happen, but something was going to happen and now it didn't happen. But if we start to shift our focus and I keep saying the word to optimizing risks, right? For, to get to those strategic goals we want to accomplish, then we start to design and look for things to help the credit union gain real measurable ground towards those goals. And I think in that way, we connect ERM to the accomplishment of the goals, which is almost the, I think, the holy grail for ERM. And that's, and that's one thing. The second thing is, is difficult. And I think it's just gaining the support from senior management and the board of directors so that you can have the resources to do what, what you need to do. But at least for me, thankfully, day one, uh, Dave Gunderson, the CEO, has been an incredible supporter of risk management, which has cascading effects to the rest of the senior team and the board. And that gave me credibility off the bat. 
but nonetheless, I use and one way to go uh, overcome that. I treated, let's suppose I didn't have the support, but I treated the opportunity of the positions to stay one as if I had to prove myself and actually communicate the value of ERM. How did I do that? I just, it was a lot of communication with all the key leaders looking for specific areas to, to optimize risk. And I think one of the key things is just changing the perception of uh, that risk management is just something that holds us back. Yeah. That's, we got to change that. And at least in my opinion, I like to think that we're not guardrails. I would say we're risk managers, we're flame bearers. We help you harness the power of risk. Sometimes you might say, hey, that flame is a little too big. You're burning your mustache there. Okay. But I'd like to say we harness risk to get us to where we want to go. Yeah, that's you said a lot of great stuff there. I'm trying to keep it all in my head. There's a lot of good content there. But just to go back to those two things, the second one you mentioned is having support of senior management. And that's, yeah, that's always key. And if your program's not being successful and you're going to lose that over time. And if you're really good at the first one you mentioned, which is showing the value of ERM to the board and senior management, then that second one can come along, get that second one for free if you do that first one. So that's good. I like your flame bearer and the flame concept and maybe it's too much flame or you know when you have to tame it and when you can let it roar and get some more out of it that's a nice analogy exactly yeah it's, it's just one of those things where flames can be scary if they're uncontrolled and running wild they can bring a lot of destruction but just as a species humans once we harness flames we made better food we made some tools and it's been better so yeah, extend that analogy back eons. That's it's, flames yeah. are dangerous, but absolutely helpful. Yeah, yeah. So when you were describing this, I was communication, of course, is a key part of what you said. You have to communicate the value, work with people. And nowadays, because of the pandemic we've lived with for years, when I hear communication, it's, it means something, it's still communication, but how have you done that? So are you working remotely? Is the most of the credit union remote? Are you able to see people face-to-face, -face, a lot of online meetings? How is that aspect of communication working for you? And is that a challenge in the current environment? Yeah, it was a challenge at first, but at least for the senior team at SU SoCal, we go in every Tuesday, Wednesday hmm. to have some FaceTime with each other, communicate. So that helped a lot. Uh, if it was fully remote, it, it would have been a challenge, but I think you can still communicate with each other from a, a risk perspective. If you have a story, people love stories and you got to have a story. You've probably heard that about that book, the, is it the hero with a thousand, thousand faces or something like that, where it's a lot of heroes have the same story oh, arc gotcha. and you can apply that to whatever story you're telling, even with risk which I try to do when I make presentations or something like that. It really helps drive the point. But even if it was just fully Zoom, I love PowerPoint. I use PowerPoint all the time. I figured out a way how to animate the stuff. So it's a little bit more dynamic and it looks a little bit more polished than your traditional PowerPoints. Mm. But that, that definitely helps uh, communicating any kind of idea, any kind of visual. So uh, yeah. yeah. 
that that makes sense. I too, it's coincidentally, am researching how to use visuals in enterprise risk management. So I just bought the book for this trip I was on earlier this week called Back of the Napkin by Dan Rome, or I can't remember the, yeah, the exact title, but it is about processes of thinking visually and then drawing it and using that to communicate. <laughs> so we're on the same path there. Nice. Yeah. Back now, of the book. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to check that out. It's just, I haven't heard about yeah. It's one. on my, it's on the floor over there. <laughs> Back of the napkin, I think. Dan Rome makes the Rome. title. Yeah. Now, awesome. are you using, so you're doing a lot of cool stuff with PowerPoint. In yeah. Microsoft Teams, do you use whiteboard? Do you use that feature? Or are you getting into that sort of thing? We're transitioning into uh, credit union wide into Teams. Okay. So we haven't gotten into from Skype to Teams. So okay. we haven't gotten into how exactly we're going to use it. Right now, I'm playing around with making groups and making teams and announcements and stuff like that. Haven't tried their whiteboard feature yet. Usually, and actually that would be nice because usually I just, if we're having a meeting, I'll just share my screen and put up a Word document and then use the draw feature and just, mm -hmm. you know, draw, yeah. which is not, it's not great if people want to join in and draw or point out something. If we could use that, that'd be great. I don't know. Have you used that? I, not yet. Nope. I'm experimenting yeah. with it. I, I need to play with it. What you just described is exactly what whiteboard would do. You're drawing in Microsoft Word, but once you do it in Teams, others can just draw as well. And then you can share that. They can all have access to it, add to it. It just has all that logical extra feature. So I'm looking forward to checking into it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of other ones too. I can't remember the, there's third-party whiteboard type providers that, that I've been looking into. I just can't remember the name right now. Hmm. We're going back to the office. We're bringing back more of our staff back to the office uh, in early April, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, hybrid type, yeah. or Wednesdays, Thursdays, hybrid type. So that is when we're probably going to use real life whiteboards yeah. or try to structure it that way. At least. Yeah. It would be nice to get back up in front of a real whiteboard and throw some post-it notes up there and, yeah. and then draw some stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything else about your ERM program or the credit union that we didn't cover that, that you want to share? I would say, I would say to remember just why you're taking risk. We're, I like to think the CU SoCal or the ERM program and the leaders there are taking risks in the pursuit of something. So we're not just taking risks just to take it. So at least at CU SoCal, we're taking risks to in pursuit of building better lives, which is our abbreviated mission there. But connecting the ERM program to your credit union's mission, I feel adds more texture to why ERM is important. Yeah. And if you can do that and communicate that to the board, it just they start to see the value in 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 ERM. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Would that be your advice for listeners who are getting into enterprise risk management? Or do you have, it'd probably have any, be, yeah, I was going to say, do you have yeah, any, no. any tips or anything about getting started? Other than taking your vitamins? No, by no. the way, beef liver vitamins have really been good to me. I don't know Is that right? Beef liver vitamins. <laughs> yeah, they're really good stuff. On top of being rapport with, I would say, pretty much everybody at the credit union, make sure your risk appetite is aligned with the goals the credit union wants to achieve. I've seen places where 
there's a lot of goal, lofty goals. And then you look at the risk appetite and it's just low across the spectrum. It just doesn't make sense for the goals that you want to achieve and still want to keep a low risk appetite. You have to align those two and something's got to give either those strategic goals got to come, come down a little bit more to the risk appetite or the other way around. So just make sure the board understands that dynamic because you will need their support when you start to make risk metrics and guiding the credit union in terms of taking risks or bringing those risks back in line. And that, that would be my advice. That's good advice. I've always seen that whole risk appetite versus the risks comparison. It is a real journey. It, it takes years to get it right. Yeah. No one should ever expect to get it right, right away. Cause it, it takes iteration and experience. So it's a, uh, it needs to mature right along with your program. So that's great that you are recognizing that too, and pointing that out. So thanks for doing that. So thank you so much, Michael. It's been fun and informative. How can listeners get a hold of you if they want to reach out and talk to you? Yeah. Yeah. First shameless plug for credit union of Southern California, CU SoCal, go to CUSoCal.org check us out. I really believe in our mission of building better lives. I think it resonates with a lot of people. If you want to get in touch with me, you just email me, M as in Michael, C-R-U-Z as in zebra at cusocal.org. And I'd be happy to exchange ideas or chat. That's great, Michael. Thank you so much. And thanks for the time today. It's been wonderful. Uh, Thank you, Dave. All right. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of ER and Perspectives. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now. That's all for today's ERM Perspectives. If you enjoyed the show and heard something useful, please do your friends and colleagues a favor and share this podcast with them. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please contact me if you'd like to be a guest on this show or if I can help you or someone you know. I'm David Seibert, and you can find me on LinkedIn or at my website, davidseibertconsulting.com.